All right, if you have your Bibles, please open to Romans chapter 1. Uh, If you're just joining us in our study through the book of Romans, you can catch up uh, by going to the website or looking for the podcast on iTunes. We have video archives as well as audio archives for you to uh, revisit. And this morning, if you hear something, you're like, oh, what did he say again about that? And you wish that you could rewind it? Well, you can. Uh, Usually on Tuesday, by Tuesday, all the services from Sunday are up on the various forms of media, which you can uh, check out. So this morning... As I was studying for this and as we were preparing for this, we ended up this morning, we're going to be looking at one verse, and it's going to be verse 16. Paul is going to be releasing the first half of his thesis statement, if you will, for his letter to the Romans. And the pair of verses that we're going to be looking at uh, this week and two weeks from now are some of the most powerful verses in the Bible. Now, I cannot believe that I forgot to make this announcement, and you heard me rightly, that today we're going to look at verse 16, and two weeks from now we're going to look at verse 17, because next Sunday we're going to have a special guest speaker named Victor Marks, who is going to be speaking here uh, for me. I'll be here as well, but he's going to be in town, and as you know, Victor has been a a huge part of our church uh, behind the scenes, as well as you know, helping in ministry and in teaching. And so Victor Marks will be here next Sunday, October 18th, uh, to be our special guest speaker. So that means a week from next Sunday, we will pick up in verse 17 of Romans 1. So invite some people next Sunday uh, to come and hear Victor. He's a great speaker. He's all over the place, uh, Middle East, doing some crazy, crazy things. Uh, He's definitely a man that's not ashamed of the gospel. So as we look at our study this morning, Romans chapter 1, verse 16 As you recall, we are calling these introductory studies Black Velvet. The reason for that is not just to be, you know, oh, is that some kind of cool name or whatever, or that's really a weird name or whatever. No, this is actually giving you the picture of how a jeweler would present gems by laying it on a piece of black velvet makes the the jewels pop out, stand up. And what Paul is doing is he'll be laying a black backdrop in order for these gospel gems, if you will, to really be highlighted. And so Black Velvet Part 3 is where we're at this morning. And this morning, if you're taking notes, there are three points. So in your mind, you can kind of jog a timeline of three main points as we look at verse 16 of Romans chapter 1. Now, each point is going to have the main title, M not ashamed. And then each of the three points will have a subtitle that pertains to that particular passage that we are looking at in that verse, that little segment. So point number one is M not ashamed. And then parenthetically, our subtitle is because it is the gospel of God. So Paul says, I am not ashamed. And we're going to look at because it is the gospel of God. Verse 16. Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. So I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but Christians are not perfect people. Some of you know that oh so well. Some of you know that relationally because you know people that are Christians that are very imperfect. Some of you have come to the own sobering, your own sobering realization that uh, you're not perfect either. And we do things as Christians that we shouldn't be doing. But if we're truly filled with the Holy Spirit because of our faith in Jesus, we'll be convicted of that sin. 
Or you're not going to be able to enjoy it fully. Or even before you give in to sin, there'll be the Holy Spirit saying, no, don't do that. Or the, uh-uh, 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 nope, 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 nope. No, that's not right. That's not pleasing to God. You're not going to want to do this afterwards. You're going to feel terrible. Just like you always do. Don't give in to sin. But we do make mistakes. And we do things that are not pleasing to the Lord. However, with that being said, a Christian that isn't living in habitual sin, which means sin is a habit in their life, their greatest defeat could be that of timidity. So a person that isn't living as a Christian in habitual sin, which is completely defeating, if they're not doing that, their greatest defeat, our greatest defeat as a Christian, even if we're not living in sin, can be that of being timid when it comes to our relationship with the Lord. Being afraid to fight for what is right. And it's not to party, as the old song says. There are people groups, organizations, activists that work incessantly, I don't know if you realize this, incessantly around the clock planning how they can further their cause. Evil causes, unholy causes, deadly causes. So I have to ask this morning, how are we ashamed of our cause? How are we ashamed of what we believe? You might say, well, what do you mean? Almost offended. What do you mean by saying that? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Well, listen to me. Following Jesus in every age of history has required boldness. Some of us are ashamed generally of anything for that matter that might be uh, demanding boldness to speak up, to speak out, to do something. We'd rather kind of sit there quietly and, and not make any noise. We're afraid of what people might think of us. I'm more concerned, you know, because I don't want to say anything and I, I might sound stupid or they might laugh at me or I don't want to be embarrassed. In Proverbs twenty nine twenty five, it says, the fear of man brings a snare. A snare. When I'm fearful of what people think or how they're going to respond, it entraps me. And Christians are not an exception to what the Bible says is true. I'm fearful of what they may think. But it says, But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Now, in our country today, some words in our language, they mean nothing to us. We hear it all the time. But other words absolutely frighten us. They scare us. Such words as public opinion, society, equality, love wins. Haters, conservative, traditional, narrow, bigots, and the like. Are we trembling? Are we bowing down before social norms and pop culture and public opinion? Think about it honestly. Are we trembling before the scarecrow in the farmer's field, afraid that we might get shot with that stick gun? Remember, Peter, when he betrayed Jesus... There he was with the enemy, not witnessing to them, but warming himself with them by the fire. And no doubt he heard them saying evil things about Jesus. And Peter could have just sat there and not said anything, or he could have joined in. Oh, yeah, I agree. That's the case totally. Well, as we follow Jesus, 
as you follow Jesus, as I follow Jesus, it's only a matter of time, if you think about it. It's only a matter of time before that inevitable situation presents itself in which we will have to choose which side we're on. Which side we're on. What we're going to do. What we're going to say. See, in the world, in the, the way that we live, we're constantly, as Christians, bombarded by the ways and means and the things and the thoughts of the world, and it beats us down. You know, I, I've worked in secular environments before becoming a pastor. I know what it's like. I've worked as a consultant in, in pharmaceuticals and, 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 and in the business sector. I've worked in college at Nordstrom, you know, in the rails, selling clothes. You know, I know what it's like to be around people that don't know Jesus constantly. Just the language, the subject matter, the points of view. It's not like, oh, I'm a Christian. I live in this little bubble and I only talk to Christians and I only listen to Christian things. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. But nonetheless, it does take its toll. And it's very easy to compromise, isn't it? Because when you're around the people, you know, that, that aren't walking with God, it lowers your standard. You start saying, you start getting chipped away at. You start saying, oh, it's not that bad, or, you know, everybody's doing it. And it's easy to feel embarrassed or even ashamed to speak out against something that's not right. To speak the name of Jesus. I can feel embarrassed about that. They're going to think I'm so weird. It just seems so inappropriate. They're laughing and saying all these terrible, crass jokes and saying all these things derogatory uh, that are derogatory about Jesus, and I just don't know if it's really appropriate for me to say anything. I feel kind of embarrassed if I were to open my mouth because they're all thinking the same thing, and I'm the only one that thinks what I think. And, well, if I, if I say something, I'll, I'll forfeit my family. I'll, I'll forfeit my friends. I'll forfeit my status. You know, it's all about being a real housewife of whatever state or county you live in. I won't be on the promo cards for Sutra anymore. I won't be invited to the after party to the after party. I'll lose season tickets. You know, I'm cool as long as I don't talk about Jesus or have biblical values or be too hardcore. Then I'm okay. I don't know if we realize that we can deny Jesus without even verbalizing it. We can be ashamed of the message of Jesus by the way that we live. Now, chances are, because we've all done it, we've all been in the case, in that situation where we've not done what we're supposed to do. And maybe this morning, even right now, you feel condemned. Maybe you have a pit in your stomach because you know this to be true in some part of your life. Listen, although Peter, the follower of Jesus, blew it in a major way, God didn't give up on him. God didn't tell Peter, hey man, you screwed up, I'm done with you. He's not telling you that either. But one thing I think we need to realize as the church, as Christians this morning, is that it is the Holy Spirit that empowers people with boldness, transforms timid people into the heroes of faith. Where we have a supernatural boldness. It's the Holy Spirit that transforms people. I, I can't help but think of the transformation in Gideon's life. I don't know if you remember the old story in the book of Judges about Gideon. 
He went literally from fear to faith to fighting the fight against the nation of Israel, leading the fight against the Midianites that were ravaging his country. See, when the Lord appeared to Gideon, he was hiding in a cave, and the Lord said, hey, you, mighty man of valor. You're like, who, me? The guy that's hiding out in a cave, afraid to face the enemy, the guy that had the least of the least potential from external perspectives, uh, the mighty man of valor. See, the Lord sees our potential. And if we would only realize the power, listen to me very carefully. And if you're already tuned out and you're already checking Facebook or whatever, I'm sorry, I'll try to do better two weeks from now. But listen, if we realize this morning how much power we have in the Lord, we would be a part and we would aid and we would be involved with some of the most amazing things happening in the world around us for the kingdom of heaven. We'd realize how much power we have through the Holy Spirit and how it's the Lord that works in us and it's the Lord that transforms us and the Lord enables us. In Mark 8, verse 38, Jesus said, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, which he might as well have been saying about the United States right now, he says, Of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. He says, You're going to be ashamed of me when I come in the power and the glory, and I'll be ashamed of you. When Paul says here in verse 16 that he's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, he is in essence saying that he's not ashamed of the one to whom the gospel belongs. I'm not ashamed of who Jesus is, the words he spoke, or what he represents. Remember back in Romans 1, verse 1, it says Paul, as he Begins his letter, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. God's gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the gospel of God. It's not man's gospel. It's not temporal good news. It's the only gospel that belongs to the only one true living all-powerful God I'm not ashamed of the good news that the Messiah Jesus Christ paid the price for the sins of the world I'm not ashamed of the fact that my sins are forgiven I'm not ashamed that I know where I'm going after I die I'm going to heaven and I'm not ashamed of that I am not ashamed of of the gospel so point number one is i'm not ashamed because it's god's gospel which leads us to point number two i am not ashamed because it's god's power so i'm not ashamed because it is the gospel of god and number two i'm not ashamed because it is the power of god for i'm not ashamed of the gospel of christ for it is the power of god verse 16 For it is the power of God. We see that it is the gospel of God. We see that it is the power of God. And that word, power in the Greek, you know it. And if not, add this to your repertoire. It's dunamis. 
is where we get our English word dynamite, dynamic. The word that Paul is preaching, that we even today are ministering, is the power, the explosive power, the disruptive power of God. Disrupting evil, disrupting the plans of Satan, disrupting the course that people are on, heading to destruction. This is the power that Paul went to Rome with, knowing that it would shake the throne of Caesar himself. Let me ask you this question. Think about this. When is, so, so under, under this title, remember, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the gospel of God. I'm not ashamed of the God. I'm not ashamed because it's the power of God. Well, when was the last time you saw a sports fan ashamed to be associated with their team? That is the number one team in the world, the world champion. When is the last time you saw a a, a sports fan ashamed to be associated with their championship team? You never see that. Ashamed to be associated with the team with the most powerful offense and defense. I'm ashamed to be supporting the fighter with the most powerful right cross. I'm ashamed. You know, when was the last time you saw the American muscle, you know, muscle car guy, ashamed to have the vehicle with the most powerful Hemi ever built? When was the last time you saw the tech guru ashamed, that, ashamed of the most powerful processor known to man? These people are like, this is amazing. This is the best thing. They're flaunting it. They're wearing it. They're cheering it. They're proclaiming it. They're bragging about it. Paul knew of the power of the gospel of God, and he knew it personally. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, as Paul was crying out to God, saying, Lord, help me, deliver me. I need strength. It says that the Lord replied and said, My grace is sufficient for you, and my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And Paul says, Because of this, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said, and he spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority. Jesus said all authority. And Paul and you and me are his ambassadors. As it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 20. Now then, Paul writing, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. In the future, not yet happened. It's not yet happened. Satan will be utterly destroyed by the power of Jesus. In Revelation 12.10 it says, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of His Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before God day and night, has been cast down. The power of Jesus. I'm not ashamed because it's the gospel of God. I'm not ashamed because it's the power of God. Paul was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because he knew where the power was. 
This is an interesting perspective. There is power from God in the gospel of Jesus Christ. If there is power from God in the gospel, is it any surprise to you or to me that Jesus is the one thing that the world forbids us to speak of? If there is so much power in the gospel, is it any surprise to you as me and you and me as Christians that Jesus, of all the things in the world that you probably shouldn't be speaking of, that Jesus is the one thing that you're not to say. You're not to tweet about it. You're not to post about it. You're not to talk about it. We censor it if you're on the radio. We cut it out if it's on video. And if it's a live webcast, then we make sure that it dies right there. Jesus. The gospel of Jesus is the greatest threat to the kingdom of Satan. It's the greatest threat. That's why it's under the greatest attack. But that should not deter us from knowing who we are in Jesus. It should not deter us from doing what God has called us to do. I am not ashamed because it is, it is the gospel of God. It's His I'm not ashamed because it's the power of God. And why is the gospel of Jesus so powerful? That leads us to point number three. I'm not ashamed because it's the salvation of God. So it is the gospel of God. It is the power of God. And thirdly, this morning, it is the salvation of God. Verse 16 again. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. For everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and also for the Greek. Because it is the way to salvation, it is the power of God to salvation. Now, our English word salvation comes from a Latin word for health. In earlier uses, if you, uh, I think it's called etymology. But anyway, the, the earlier uses of, of this word were used to describe a person's physical health, but later it, salvation, this, this word that we get from the Latin word for health, uh, was used to describe somebody's spiritual health. It became applied, it, it later became applied to the health of one's soul. So in the spiritual use of this word, it is everything that is conducive to the safety, the health, and the happiness of the soul salvation salvation deliverance from the bondage of sin things that were too powerful us too powerful than us we've been delivered from we couldn't save ourselves when god delivered us preservation from destruction because the bible says the wages of sin is death salvation means i am preserved from destruction Furthermore, there's safety from God's wrath. I am no longer positionally under the place of where God's wrath is going to be poured out. I have been moved. I have been removed from that position of where God's wrath is going to be poured out. And now I'm under the place where God's blessings are poured out. I've been removed from that place of God's wrath. I have been forgiven of my sin. I mean, there's so many things in life that we, we wish that we didn't do. If I could go back in that time machine and not make that decision or do that thing that I regretted forever. You know, those things that we try to overcompensate for, make up for, all of those things are dealt with through faith in Jesus. 
All of those things are removed and forgiven. The guilt, and we all have been guilt-tripped. We all have. We've all felt the condemnation, myself included. We've all experienced how awful it feels to do the wrong thing or to see the consequences or ramifications of sin or our poor decisions. We've all experienced that. But to be forgiven of that, to be cleansed from all sin and all impurity and to have right standing with God, this is salvation. He says, I'm not ashamed because it's the salvation of God. In Acts 4.12, Peter would say, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved other than Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the way that people get to heaven. I'm not ashamed of that. Some people are. And we're like, we don't want to talk about it. And I don't want to th- people to think I'm a, a Jesus freak or I'm weird or I'm the odd man out or whatever. I'm ashamed of the way that people can get to heaven. Are you kidding? But we do feel embarrassed. We do feel awkward. We do feel like, oh, it's just not like the cool thing to say. Or it's just not really appropriate to talk about religion or Jesus at, at this point. You know, don't ask if they go to church or believe in Jesus or don't say that what they're saying is inappropriate or wrong because, you know, that makes people feel uncomfortable. So what we are doing is we are in essence being ashamed of what the gospel is, the gospel of God, the power of God, the salvation of God, the way that people get to heaven, we will be embarrassed of. And when you put it like that, I think it hits us all square between the eyes. When you... Look at it for what it is. In the realities of everyday life, living in this world, we find ourselves at a crossroad this morning. What what are we going to do? Why do we have so many Christians in the closet? We have National Coming Out Day, for crying out loud, on social media, and I think it's time for National Christians Coming Out of the Closet Day. Because so, so often we're in a place where it's like Christians incognito. Don't let anybody know that I go to church. Like, don't let anybody know I'm a Christian or I believe in Jesus. I mean, what in the world are we doing as the church? And you might think, man, this is a real uplifting message today, brother. Thank you for this. Well, listen, we should be challenged by this. We should be not only challenged, we should be emboldened. Like, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the gospel of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the salvation of God. It comes from Him. It's the way that people get to heaven. So why am I ashamed about having my sins forgiven? Having a right relationship with God. Having victory over any obstacle that I might face in this world. Having the reassurance that when I die, I'm going to heaven. Why am I ashamed of those things? Why will I not tell that person? Why will I not make a stand? Why will I not be bold? I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the way that people get to heaven. As Jesus said, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. Except through me. People need to know about that. But we're in a very, very wicked age in history. 
For us in 2015, we are in a very, very evil day. Remember those lists of words that I read off at the beginning? Some words, uh, they don't really mean anything, but other words really inflict some fear. Being called conservative. Being called Christian, a biblical Christian, a Bible-based Christian. Where evil is promoted. Where people are doing things that they should be ashamed of and they're saying, you should be ashamed for telling me that what I'm doing is shameful. Where we're upside down. And it is hard to make a stand for Jesus. It is hard. Because most people don't believe the way that you believe. But if you think about it, it's the power of God to save. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that dwells in you through the Holy Spirit because of faith in Jesus that you have at your disposal to be the proclaimer of the gospel. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Now, what if I were to tell you, as we continue on here, what if I were to tell you right now that the gospel, listen to me very carefully, that the gospel of Christ is not the power of God to salvation for everyone. Let me say that again. Think about it. What if I were to tell you right now that the gospel of Christ is not the power of God to save for everyone? You might be like, what? Yeah, well, that's true. It's not the power of God to save for everyone. And the reason for that is because that's not where that statement ends in verse 16. It says it is the power of God to save or to salvation for everyone, what? Who believes? Who believes? We read the whole verse again and you look at it. Wait a second, was that some sort of trick question? Listen, the gospel of God or this gospel that is through Jesus is not the power of God to salvation for everyone. It's for everyone who believes, who has faith in Jesus. Now, is there enough forgiveness for everyone in the entire world? Absolutely. The account is full of forgiveness. But you have to believe in order to make a withdrawal from that account. Faith or belief is that debit card, if you will, that is associated with that account belonging to God. And as, you know, if God had Wells Fargo and you got to personally nickname your accounts as forgiveness. And you can make withdrawals from that. And the withdrawals are made possible through faith in Jesus. Or as the Bible says, it's made available for those who believe. Now, there is this term called universalism. I think this is important to note, especially for you to just be aware of it. 
This concept called universalism, basically, uh, what it means is that regardless of what you choose to believe in relation to Jesus, regardless of your decision to receive or to reject Him, you will eventually be reconciled to God because of His great love for you. So you can reject Jesus, you can live your life as a sinner, but because of God's great love, God's love wins. And that was the title of a book by a man named Rob Bell where he expressed this view. Where salvation is made possible to you in the end regardless of what you have chosen to believe. However, the Bible states quite the opposite. And regardless of how popular a book in evangelicalism can be, we should always check it against the Word of God. The Bible says it is the power of God to salvation for those who believe. It doesn't say for those who are neutral, for those who have rejected, for those who are indecisive. It says it is the power of God to salvation for those who believe. So don't get it twisted and don't get confused and don't misunderstand what the world might say because you know what the Bible says. In John 1 verse 12, it says, But as many as received Jesus, to them He gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in His name. In Acts 16.31, it says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. It doesn't say It's the power of God to salvation for everyone who's a moral person, for everyone that is a good person, and for everyone whose good deeds outweigh their bad deeds. It says, for those who believe in Him. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever should believe, have faith, And remember, this is more than an acknowledgement intellectually. Even as the demons acknowledge intellectually that Jesus is the Son of God, they do not have a saving knowledge. Whoever should believe in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We can't moderate. We cannot be moderate when it comes to preaching the gospel. We, We can't be moderate when it comes to the Word of God. In Romans 1.15, Paul wrote and he said, So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Paul said, I'm ready to preach the gospel. This gospel that we already read in verse 1, the gospel of God, this gospel of Christ that's to salvation through the power of God, (laughs) this, Paul says, I'm ready to preach it to you. We, he he's not going to be moderate when it comes to preaching the gospel of Jesus. Now, are, are you going to be moderate in warning your neighbor that his house is on fire? Think about it. Are you going to be moderate when you're, are you going to be moderate to rescue your child from drowning in the pool? Are you going to be moderate when it comes to rescuing your wife when she's getting attacked on the streets? No. You'll be as harsh as truth and as uncompromising as justice. You'll take care of it. Not moderate. Hey, can you guys like kind of stop hitting my wife in the street? I mean, are you out of your mind? Be grabbing trash cans and bats and whatever I need to do. Protect my wife. My child's drowning in the pool. You better believe. I'm not going to be moderate about that. I'm going to be moderate about the gospel though. I'm not going to preach the gospel. We'll have it in moderation. We'll tone it down, dumb it down, water it down. 
Don't be so hardcore. Don't be so up in my face. Don't be so black and white. Let's blur the edges a little bit. Let's take the edge off the knife. I can tell you right now that it is my duty to stand and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and to warn people that much which is being said from pulpits today is not the gospel. And if you do not personally believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And it's as simple as that. And I'm not saying that like, yeah, you. No, I'm saying like, it's sorrowful. If you don't believe in Jesus, then you're not saved from your sin. That's why you must give your life to Jesus. That's why you must be forgiven of your sin. You must believe. You must have faith. And we will look closely at the just living by faith two weeks from now.